nothing like listening to the Nuclear Fridge Podcast. Nothing like it. Actually, we'll be interviewing as a team. We're here to fuck shit up. When you bring me out, can you introduce me as Jake? Stuart. And I'm Matt. And this is the Nuclear Fridge. <laughs> it's completely insane. You guys are idiots. Do you have nuclear weapons? In the fridge. Is that nuclear waste? This whole fridge is a joke. Honey, you are a regular nuclear meltdown. You and I are not so different. Stupid fridge guys. Well, do we just own? Go to school, boys. Finally, I have the podcast all to myself. Hello, and welcome to another fantastic episode of The Nuclear Fridge. As always, I am your host, Matt Paget, and today I am not joined by the two people I have to pretend are my best friends every week. Instead, I am joined by a real best friend, Jay Krieger. Hey, man, what's going on? Happy to be back. <laughs> uh, it's going, it's going, man. Uh, glad to have you. Jake and uh, Stuart decided uh, seeing Stuart's brother get married is a little more important than this podcast. So here I am How having to pick up them. the pieces. I know. I know. I'm, I'm pissed for one. And I'm going to let him hear it when they get back. But uh, no, man, Halloween just passed us. And I thought, who better to have on than our horror, uh, chorus, the horror correspondent, Jay here. What did you do for Halloween, Jay? Did you do anything? I was super original and put on a double feature for my buddies of Halloween and Halloween 2. I really, uh, really stretched my, uh, my, my creative muscles with that one. But now, uh, Hell yeah, yeah dude. Just, you know, buddies and beers and horror movies, which is a pretty common occurrence in my house, but, uh, it was extra spooky for, uh, the Halloween season. How about yourself? Oh man. Uh, first off I was like, okay, let's hear what he, what he did. Let's hear these two movies. I want to rate them. I want to, I want to rate their like compatibility because i love i love a good double feature where it's like uh, it's like a theme or it's a it's like a niche little tiny detail that connects the two and then that's why they're a double feature but nope you just went halloween and halloween too <laughs> keeping it classic it's the thing where like some of my buddies are really into horror but then i've also got friends that are kind of like on the fence and so i wanted to put something on that uh you know, hopefully everybody could enjoy uh, to some extent. But yeah, I'm also a sucker for like the night of continuation sequels. So going straight from the original to the sequel, of course, uh, it's something that I've been doing since I was a kid. And uh, yeah, I wanted to expose some of my buddies to maybe another Halloween movie that they hadn't seen, that being, you know, Halloween 2. Yeah, I think we've talked about this. I mean, we've talked about Halloween a lot on uh, on a couple different podcasts, but uh, I, I think my favorite thing in Halloween 2, I, I think that movie is just so fucking moody and, and awesome and, and atmospheric. Like, it's just so... Uh, it, and also hospitals are fucking creepy with people in them, let alone with no one in them. But I, I just love fucking Dr. Loomis. You, you hear him in... The, in <laughs> you're, you're down the street and you see a cop car in the distance, and you see him run up, I shot him five times! I shot him five times! And it's like, what, dude? Who's this crazy guy? Uh, that uh, You know what? It, it's, it may be unoriginal, but both movies are fucking awesome. 
uh and i i hope you guys had an awesome time yeah man you know at the end of the day uh even if not everybody's on board with uh, a movie pick it's like well after a while and you have enough beers and just bullshitting it ends up being a pretty good time but how about yourself what did you get up to uh this halloween Oh man, I'm a big Halloween guy. I uh, we we decorated. Uh, a bunch of people loved my decorations. I did uh, like a a animatronic werewolf that was like uh, whoa. I mean, animatronic in the way that it moved its arms. <laughs> uh, but it's a werewolf that uh, if you walk by it, it, it sets off and it scared a couple people, which is good. Uh, I had pumpkins, you know, the classics, the lights. Uh, and then, uh, I also had a like little, like uh mini, mini me, Michael Myers holding a candy bowl. And he was the one holding the candy for the kids to get the candy out of. And I think the best part of it was, uh, this little girl got her candy and left. And I was standing at the end of the driveway. My dad was standing at the door. She's just like, I didn't like him. And they're like, who the, the guy holding the candy and they're like, it was just a Halloween decoration. I don't care. <laughs> I just thought that was the best. She just hated Michael Myers. Oh, man. Uh, it, it was a fun night. It, 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 I feel like Halloween isn't as popular as it used to be. Like, I remember being out for like four, five, six hours. And... Like nowadays it's like, man, like they're just, there just aren't people doing that. Like I think Halloween this year lasted, oh man, maybe two and a half hours and it wasn't even busy for most of that time. It was kind of a bummer. Yeah. I moved uh, recently over the summer. I'm at the end of sort of a cul-de-sac and I put out a bowl obviously on the porch uh, to try to, you know, <laughs> be uh, within the, you know, community and whatnot and have trick-or-treaters come by. But I think we had two-thirds left of a bowl of candy. So, yeah, it was oh, definitely the what? type of thing. And, where, and like, it was an unattended bowl. Yeah, exactly, too. Plus, Holy I, I assumed it was going to be gone, including the bowl. But um, it was, yeah, it was strange, man. Like, you, of course, you know, you hear trick-or-treaters and stuff outside. But I think we had foot traffic for, like, maybe two hours in our neighborhood. And then it was kind of just quiet. Um, which at the same time though, you know, multiple beers deep watching movies with my buddies. I wasn't, uh, wasn't exactly, you know, observing the neighborhood or observing the candy bowl. Like maybe I should have, but at the end of the day, yeah, man, I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe kids are over Halloween to a certain extent, man, that would suck, dude. Or like maybe, I mean, I can't imagine the parents are, but like, I thought, I thought COVID was going to kill Halloween. Yeah. Uh, I was really worried about that. And the year after I think it was 2021 Halloween was just like, no, no, 2020. I think 2020 was really busy. Like people just wanted to get out. And and to be honest, the COVID numbers weren't as bad up here as they were maybe down in the States, but 2021 got a little slower. And this year was even slower than that, which is like, I don't know, man. I hope, I hope it doesn't fucking die because Halloween is the best. Like, it's it's like my favorite holiday. I I, I got pissed off the next day because the the next day, Walt Cooper took him out for his morning, afternoon, and then his night walk. On his night walk, there were people with fucking Christmas decorations out already. Jeez, not wasting what any time fuck? with that. I know. Christmas is like like listen. Christmas is great. I like it. I like spending time with family. I like the food. I like the the smells. The the atmosphere. 
but it's not that good. It's not it's not Halloween good for one. I I couldn't I couldn't believe it, man. I was so fucking devastated. Like there were houses on my street that were just blacked out. Like they didn't have any decorations for Halloween. I couldn't believe it. That was, you know, uh, maybe I'm a little bit of a Grinch in that respect. We didn't dress up our uh, yard or anything like that. But yeah, man, I was surprised because, you know, I'm out in the burbs and maybe every third house had decorations or every fifth house or something like that. And I remember growing up, it was like the entire neighborhood. It was just everybody, you know, my parents would uh, decorate the yard and everything. And, you know, even when we lived in an apartment, um, there was like other kids in the building and, you know, we would dress up our door and then you'd have, you know, the neighbors come by or you'd go to their house and stuff and do a trick or treating within the complex and whatnot. And, yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe kids are just too busy playing that dang Fortnite at home on their iPads. Oh, they're dressing up in Fortnite. <laughs> God damn it. As someone who plays Fortnite, Christ, I'm contributing to the decay of society. Which, hey, Ash Williams, he's in Fortnite now. Yeah, that's a good call. I logged in to buy him and then I haven't played since. <laughs> uh, that's, that's pretty much how I go with video games is I just log into a video game, buy the new skin that's on for a limited time and then never play again. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was cool, cool little Halloween. Uh, not bad. And then we watched the monsters, uh, with, with Rob zombie or directed by Rob zombie. I guess he wasn't in it, but uh, I dug it, man. Yeah. I dug it. Like, uh, my friend Lonnie, they were telling, they, they said like, it, it feels like Rob zombie is the only one having fun making horror movies. Like, you can tell he just loves making horror movies in all of his movies. All of his movies are uh, are just steeped in fucking horror from actresses who were in, like, 80s horror movies that no one has seen, just having small roles in his movies. It, it's fucking rad. Uh, and I enjoyed it. It was fun. It was goofy. It was cute. Uh, it, it was, like, cheesy beyond all fucking regard like it was it was extremely extremely cheesy but it was enjoyable i i liked it a lot and uh, of course you know how much i love sherry moon zombie <laughs> you you have mentioned that once or twice <laughs> uh but it was fun uh so halloween was good man do you think uh, that somebody like me that has never watched anything it has you know no affinity for the monsters or anything like that would be able to have as much fun with it as you did do you think that it's something that maybe um, is able to, you know, stand on its own, even if maybe it wasn't as, uh, you know, I suppose being adapted from something. Yeah, yeah, I, t- I totally think so. I mean, I, I, I'm not a big Monsters fan. I thought I was. Um, I, I was like, oh yeah, I like the Monsters. I remember the Monsters when I was a kid. I like there would be replays on TV, and my parents would be like, oh, the Monsters. This is from when I was a kid or some shit. And I was like, okay, so I'm a fan of the monsters. Like I know, I know all of the monsters and I, and I, I like, like uh, Herman Munster and, and Lily and, and grandpa. And uh, they don't call him grandpa in this because there are no grandkids to, <laughs> to make him grandpa, which like, I think I was texting my friend and we were talking about the movie and I, and I was like, I, I was like, his name's grandpa. But wait a second, that doesn't make sense. So then I looked it up, and it's the count on this one, on this new Rob Zombie one. But when I went back and looked at clips, they all call him Grandpa. 
in the original show. So I knew enough about the monsters to be like, all right, I like them. Uh, I watched the movie. I'm like, oh, that was great. And I'm like, uh, like that was really fun. That was goofy. Like I, I think people who are dunking on it are are just no fun. Like this is just a fun Halloween movie. It, it, it's literally just like Halloween the movie and not John Carpenter's Halloween, but it's very like uh, it, it channels that fun energy of Halloween. Um, I mean, the trailer didn't honestly didn't do much for me from what I watched of it. But at the same time, like to see that trailer and not, you know, it, it's so evident of a film that clearly is somebody that is just reveling in, you know, a celebration of, as you said, Halloween, the season, why it's so special. But at the end of the day, it's just it looks like people having silly fun, which, you know, I can't fault. It might not end up being for me. As I said, I haven't seen it. But at the end of the day. I don't know how you could go into that and not expect something to be just so singularly silly uh, and using, you know, maybe uh, Munster fans will re- it'll resonate with them more. But, at, you know, going into it, even if I haven't, you know, seen anything of the Munsters previously, like I wouldn't go in expecting anything other than just this silly kind of happy uh, celebration of Halloween and uh, that sort of season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's exactly that. And um. I I enjoyed it. It's it's I I mean it's it's like if if you really want to go into like film school, Matt, and talk about like uh, like the the technical aspects and the the script writing, it it's not really. It doesn't feel like a movie. It feels like you're watching like a six episode marathon because like there isn't that typical first, second, third act structure, and it kind of ends really weirdly for a movie um but i i i dug it just for you know what it was it was fun uh i i wish there was more time spent in los angeles because obviously that's the tv show is fish out of water they are a monster family living in human society um and most of the show is spent in transylvania so it's it's uh it's not how i would have made the movie if I was like setting up like a proper, you know, like, like script for myself, but it was fun. I liked it a lot. Um, I, I said, Oh, you know what? I'm going to go look back at like old episodes of the monsters now and see like, I, I, I had, a, I had a, so much fun that I want to actually see them integrated into, into society. And I went back and they suck so much. <laughs> <laughs> They do not age well, like uh, like some of the old Adams Family stuff. Uh, it's it's uh, pretty dry, uh, pretty sixties corny, but not like not in a contemporary way. Where you know how like Batman Adam West can still be like funny and silly to watch. It it feels a bit more dated than that, and maybe I didn't give it a like a lot of chances. I only watched one episode and I was like, yeah, okay. I, I, <laughs> I don't need to do this anymore. You get the gist. But yeah. Like, like Batman is still hilarious. Like you, you've got Batman running around trying to get rid of a bomb and nuns are coming out. Babies are walking across the street and he's just trying to get rid of this bomb. That's funny. That's Looney Tunes. Uh, but this was like, this was just like, oh, well, I, I'm Herman Munster, and oh, ha, ha, oh, got my hand caught in a book, in a magical book. I'm going to call that book a meanie, and it's like, 
this this has not aged well at all. This is really, really lame. Well, uh, I'm just excited to see it because I've heard that Richard Brake is in it and is not playing and complete psychopath, at least to the to my knowledge of his role in that. So to see him, you know, stretch some other acting muscles, I think would be cool. And I mean, I would, I'll tune in just for that, just to see him, you know, not again, play a complete maniac like he usually does, which I always love, but I think it'd be funny to see him in like a more comedic role. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, like his comedic role is Joel chill in, (laughs) uh, in Batman begins. Uh, he, he, he's, he's good in it. I like him. he, he plays two different characters, and that's kind of another fun part is that I think most of the bigger names in the movie, uh, at least, you know, like the most consistent Rob Zombie friends, they play a couple roles. Um, not None really big. It's mostly like uh, they play Lily and Herman and, and uh, like their, their main character and then like fun little like oh is that is that who i think it is they kind of got makeup and fake teeth on but okay so that kind of thing it's it's fun uh i I think you'll appreciate richard brake's characters and and i'd be curious to find out if you uh were able to spot who he is uh the first character he plays is very obvious because it's just him the other one he's got some makeup on and it's, it's pretty well done Nice. Well, you uh, you put that back on my radar, so I'll have to uh, I'll have to dive into that, and then I'll uh, I'll ping you and let you know what I thought. Yeah, that's a good. I'm drunk. I'm I'm three to four cold ones in. I want to watch a goofy movie. It seems like a movie that I'm definitely going to smoke before watching. But yeah, yeah, smoking is also recommended. Um, and it's beautiful, man. Oh my god! Like it's just it's just a good, colorful movie. Uh, but yeah. Do not watch the original Monsters unless unless you want to try to find what I couldn't. Right. Well, you know, I want to take it back for a second to something that you mentioned uh, about our friend Ash Williams being in Fortnite. Um, and I just kind of wanted to get your take on it. Like, how cool is it that there are all of these horror IPs that are in arguably the most, you know, popular game on the planet? Um, and you know, they are these R rated IPs, but it's a game that is, you know, rated T. I mean, how cool is that to be exposing, you know, the next generation of horror fans to, you know, some of these stone cold classics of horror. Yeah, I think it's rad. Uh, I, there's not really a, there's not really an avenue for that kind of thing anymore other than Fortnite, I guess. Cause I mean, I guess. I guess like when I was a kid, the thing that would introduce you to new things was like Scooby-Doo, like, ah, Scooby-Doo meets Batman and Scooby-Doo goes to WrestleMania (laughs) and stuff like that. But there isn't really like a good, you don't get like the real Ghostbusters or, ah, real monsters on TV. You don't really get that, that avenue into light horror for kids, freaky stories, uh, tales of the crypt keeper, stuff like that. You know what I mean? So I guess like with Fortnite, it's like the one way to do that. And I, I think that's fucking rad. I think that's so cool. I, I was hoping they were going to introduce Michael Myers this Halloween too, because of the movie, but, uh, we, we didn't get him, unfortunately, but, uh, but yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's super cool. And I wish, we had more movies that were, weren't afraid to scared kids. You know what I mean? Cause like, I think we all have those movies when we're kids that we were traumatized by. And I, I don't know if kids have that 
You know what I mean? Like they don't have the uh, never ending story where the wolf was really fucking scary or the horse was sinking into the water. So I love it. Any way to scare the shit out of little kids is all right with me. Uh, <laughs> I think that there's a lot of, and you know, while I suppose back in the day, you definitely were able to sneak a lot more into like PG movies, kind of like the example you gave. But, you know, overall, I think that we're seeing more, you know, gateway horror films that are, you know, genuinely scary, even if they don't, uh, you know, deliver on the more R-rated side of horror. Um, but I think about like when I was a kid, the way that I was exposed to a lot of horror movies that I maybe wouldn't see for a couple of years still, but it was like that hundred and one scariest moment special that they would play on like Bravo channel here, which was they every Halloween they would run that. And it just was nothing but 101 clips from some of the scariest movies ever made. And, you know, that was an introduction to so many movies that I, again, like I wouldn't see them for a handful of years, but it kind of put them on my radar at a time when, you know, obviously didn't have the internet um, and wasn't like inundated with horror media or horror books or necessarily had like a lot of hardcore horror fans in my family or something like that. And so to get brief snippets of what would go on to be, you know, some of my favorite films of all time was such a, you know, pivotal moment in my, uh, my horror upbringing, if you will. So the fact that kids are able to like get some exposure to, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, Xenomorphs, whether it's Ash Williams, whether it's the Predator in, or, you know, Terminator in uh, Fortnite, like that's just a very kind of cool updating on, what is uh, maybe a little more restrained of uh, an introduction to horror than what I had, but at the very you know same time, it's just cool that they're having this uh, outlet that is exposing them to horror, and you know maybe uh, one of the kids gets the skin or something, and then asks their dad like, "Oh, what's this guy's deal with the chainsaw arm?" And then you know some horror fan that's had a kid is just like, "Oh man, well I can't wait to show, <laughs> I can't wait to traumatize my kid with the Evil Dead." Yeah. Dude, you know what's such... Oh man, it bums me out. So the the chainsaw only works with Ash. It bums me out so much. I was so excited to put that chainsaw on Vegeta. So he just <laughs> runs around with a chainsaw hand. Right. Oh my god. I was so bummed out. Uh, but I, I can't wait to play some Fortnite and play as Ash. He, he's just... I mean, you and I have talked about the Evil Dead for hours. Mm. And uh, I, I love that character so much. So... Cool to see him in the game before people like Freddy Krueger and Ghostface. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's really it's really wild. Arguably, uh, you know, I would say in the mainstream consciousness of horror, right? You would assume that one of the big slasher icons, you know, a Freddy, a Jason, a Michael would be there, and to have somebody like Ash Williams, who, unless somebody knows about the Evil Dead and you're coming to it for the first time, you're kind of just like, well, what the hell is this? But it's still a cool character just visually because you know. It's a guy with a fucking chainsaw on his arm. And it's just neat that kids could be exposed to that character and that franchise in a way that, you know, is more readily available even than, you know, my exposure to Evil Dead, which was a clip from that show uh, that I mentioned, that Bravo 101 Scariest Moments, which then again, I wouldn't end up seeing that movie for five or six years after I'd seen that clip. So that's the type of thing, though, that's just it's cool to see. It's cool to see the classics are, uh, you know, uh, being introduced to kids or, you know, young adults, perhaps that otherwise maybe wouldn't even know about it, but it's in this, you know, it's being shown in a format of media that they are, you know, 
inundated with at this point, which is either Fortnite or, you know, seeing these um, community events and things like that that pop up around this time of the year. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, I think Shutter's like read, maybe not redoing it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they were like, oh, we're going to do what Bravo did. But I think Shutter just started doing like 101 or 1001 scariest moments or something like that yeah it's like a modern uh, updating so they're including a lot of uh more recent stuff than what i what i was watching in the uh the mid to late 90s but yeah there's like right. some james wan stuff in there they've of course you know got the uh mike flanagan films and you know a, a litany of other ones i think i watched the first first two of those um and yeah i mean great production value of course they have a um maybe more critics on to chat about movies and what I had remembered from that Bravo special back in the day, which was more kind of just like celebrities or popular uh, names and pop culture and these things. And now it's a little more critic focused, which I was appreciative of, especially, you know, getting a little more uh, broad voices out there talking about horror films, what specific films mean to them um, and just kind of the impact that that film had on the genre. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I honestly think that, uh, Oh, God, what is it called? Uh, oh, right. Uh, I wanted to make sure I got the right name. But I, I feel like Horror Noir, A History of Black Horror, yeah. was like a big turning point for a lot of that stuff where they started to... Uh, I mean, obviously, they had to reach out to critics and people who were prominent on the internet and whatnot uh, to talk about black horror and the history of that. And I feel like that documentary, I feel like there was a turning point where... Like, it wasn't just like, hey, let's get Eli Roth and Edgar Wright to talk about right. <laughs> all these movies. And it's like, oh, okay. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Eli Roth's movies, but I did like his history of horror. Yeah. Uh, I was a fan of that as well. Yeah. I, I also just liked the Raw podcasts that they released of, like, his conversations with Rob Zombie and uh, all that. So it's pretty cool. Um, but... He's I, actually I, from I spent, my he's actually from my hometown, which is always like oh, really? a weird a weird fact. Yeah, it's like him, Louis C.K. and Matthew LeBlanc who oh, went nice. to my high school, which is <laughs> quite the trio of uh yeah. of celebrities. Do you so how do you feel about Eli Roth's movies? Um they're largely he's directed. They're largely not for me. Um, you know, I think Hostel was one of those formative films for me in high school. Just because of, you know, I had seen classic horror movies by that point, obviously, but that was a film that just kind of was this, you know, a level of depravity that I hadn't seen in most movies. And so from that standpoint, it was like, oh, that was kind of eye opening to the sorts of sadistic stuff that they could put in movies uh, like the torture, torture, porny type stuff, you know, if you want to classify it as that. Um, so from that standpoint, like. I don't really care for Hostel, but it is one of those movies that's always going to be stuck in my brain of just like the first uh, example of just like that torture element in horror films that I wasn't seeing a lot of just because the horror that I'd been watching was, uh, you know, curated by mostly my grandmother, who's a massive horror fan. Um, and so but then like trying to seek out some of his other films, they just didn't really do much for me, um, largely. Yeah, I so. I feel like when people talk about torture porn, they always point the finger at Saw. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's really hostile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, point your finger over there. Right. Saw is, Saw is like a detective thriller mm. 
with that like horror element of creepy puzzles and fro- uh, fucking pig faces. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I largely agree with you. I, uh, Stuart loves Eli Roth. He fucking loves him. And that's why I'm so happy. He's not on this podcast <laughs> right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, I love you, Stuart. I know he's listening. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I watched a lot of horror movies, though, during October. I, I actually, I don't watch a lot of movies as much as I wish I watched more. I don't watch as many as I'd like. And I ended up watching 21 movies. One of them I watched, I watched half of on, like, Halloween. And then I watched the other half the other day. Um, But I watched 20 movies... One of them was not a horror movie. One of them was The Game, directed by David Fincher. Oh, great movie. But great movie. Oh, my God. So fucking good. And unfortunately, Uh, somewhat underrated in his filmography, just because of sort of, you know, when he has those bangers like Seven and Fight Club and, you know, all those films. They're like cultural touchstones. Yeah. But like, yeah, The Game is easily my favorite movie of his. I I I was deeply touched by it. It's it's life-affirming. Uh, in a weird way. What, I mean, you don't really understand that until you finish it, but very good. Um, yeah, I watched I watched 20 movies, uh, and I watched a lot of bad movies. I watched a lot of good movies. I watched Barbarian, which I don't get scared by horror movies very easily. That movie freaked me out a little bit. Mm. Well, that yeah, movie, I think like, that, that main conceit, right, of, um, you know, being double, <laughs> the idea of double booking an Airbnb is enough to give me anxiety while watching that movie or just even thinking of that. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. from that core kind of just like baseline, it's unsettling. And then, you know, descending into what that film really is and the surprise that's in store. Um, definitely, definitely a standout of the year. Yeah, I don't I don't want to go into like the specifics because. And and I kind of hate when you're like, don't look anything up, go in blind, because right. that makes me go, ooh, expectations raised. <laughs> right. And then I often get disappointed, but I missed all of that for Barbarian. And I was just like, wow. Because I thought it was just going to be a, like, uh, like a very heavy-handed, oh, no, poor woman has to deal with a scary man that has double-booked their Airbnb. And then that's not what it's about at all. It's like, it, it, it subverts your expectations in a really great way. Um, and I don't think a lot of movies do that well these days. Like, I, I feel like a lot of a lot of writers will go, oh, well, I'm going to subvert your expectations. And then it's like, okay, but is, is there a point to it? Is there, are you going to do it well? <laughs> Right. Because I feel like a lot of movies will subvert your expectations, but it'll just do it to do it. And then it's like, oh, okay. Like, it's not what I thought it was. That's fun, I guess. Thanks. Thanks for wasting my time. But I think Barbarian does it very well. And Bill Skarsgård uh, is is great. <laughs> and if I was in, in, if I was in his position, I too would also be like, "Fuck, <laughs> she thinks I'm a fucking creep. She thinks I'm gonna rape her. This is horrible. I'm not this. I don't know how to make her feel comfortable. So this is gonna be awkward, and I'm gonna be weird in conversation. So it, it played really well into that, and I thought it was well done. Um, that film largely watched- feels like it's constructed in a way that you know, so many. I feel like 
so many of my buddies that are not crazy about horror, they watch movies and horror movies with me and they just love to pick apart the characters. But this is one of those movies that I found that there isn't really a weak character in the film for me just because of each performance has a character that has this different arc to them or this different background. And yet the actors play it to, you know, the the T, if you will. Um, you know, Skarsgård, Georgina Campbell is terrific, I think, is Tess. Uh, she's a really great protagonist oh, yeah. that, you know, does subvert a lot of the tropes of female protagonists that are in horror films. And, um, you know, even the character that gets introduced halfway through, which um, I don't know how, how I suppose now it's been trending and stuff online, but I, I'll save it for uh, anybody that hasn't seen Barbarian yet. But yeah, every character that's introduced, I found to be written in a way that, you know, goes out of its way to say, actually, you can write really smart characters or funny characters or, you know, piece of shit characters that can still be entertaining uh, in horror films that seem as if they are one thing and then, you know, subvert that. Um, and this film also just like every act, it's a movie that I think by the end of it, you will appreciate it more, even if watching it for the first time, you're kind of like, wait a second, like, how is this connecting to that? There's like almost a Tarantino aspect to the storytelling of this. And yes. I think that, you know, in the moment it can be kind of jarring, but by the end of the film, people will appreciate how it connects um, the narratives and whatnot and to the core, uh, not only theme of the film, but, you know, the core uh, monster of it all. Yeah, absolutely. I, I dug the hell out of it. And uh, maybe... I can convince a podcast to invite me on to talk more about it. <laughs> I absolutely would, except I just recorded an episode oh, on it last week. Um, <laughs> you bastard. All right. Well, if there are any podcasts that want to compete, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's awesome. I, you know what? It's great, though. I get to listen to that. And, and, and nothing brings me greater joy when there is a horror podcast that I have not listened to, like a specific episode, because... I go on long walks with my dog. A lot of horror podcasts suck. Yours doesn't. And I'm super stoked. I get to listen to that episode. That's very kind of you to say. And you know, I will always have you back on daily horror habit to chat, uh, any horror movie you would like, but yeah, my, Absolutely. I think that chat was a really great one. Uh, just because I had a guest on who not only is super knowledgeable about film, about horror movies specifically, but they opened my eyes up to an aspect of the movie that, um, I didn't pick up on the first time I watched it. Um, and so I'm oh, excited rad. to, you know, now it's on HBO diving back into it after our conversation and, uh, you know, maybe picking up on some of the elements of it that I, uh, I missed the first time around, but yeah, uh, barbarian definitely a standout, but I'm curious for you, Matt, uh, out of all the movies that you watched, what was, you know, the biggest surprise, uh, was it, you know, a first time watch for you for, uh, whatever surprised you? Oh, man. Uh, I've got the list right here. I'm looking at it. Perfect. Uh, I suppose I whatever I it is that surprised you would because it's a first time watch. I don't know why I phrased it that way, but you know what I meant. Yeah, yeah. I totally know what you mean. Uh, you know, there was like the most conflicted I've ever been about a movie was Halloween Ends. Uh, <laughs> I, I picked I, up on that. I went. Yeah, I went from like. I, it was just like, fuck this movie. I hate parts of this movie and I love parts of this movie <laughs> and I see what it was trying to do and I hate everything that was working against it, which was everything to do with the trilogy. <laughs> and 
I just I ended up just going, yeah, I like this movie, but God damn. And every time I talk to Stuart, he's like, it's OK. You cannot like the movie. I'm like, no, I love the movie and I hate it. Um, it's a Halloween lover think, in you. Yeah, man. It, oh, God damn it. It's it, it. There's there's a slice of that movie that's really good. <laughs> uh, but I think like uh, like near dark was like a pretty, pretty incredible movie to watch. It really, it really, I mean, like I, I said it about, uh, about the game, but like that was another life affirming movie of like, oh man, I'm actually, I have a lot to live for and I'm happy. And there are people in my life I want to live for and I want to grow old with. And even though life isn't great right now, like I wouldn't trade it for immortal life, immortal vampire life, as much as that sounds cool as hell. It also sounds awful. Uh, but I think like the movie that surprised me the most and the movie that I think about a lot is probably Orphan. Oh yeah. Yeah. You Uh, just saw the, both of them for the first time. That's awesome. Yeah. Orphan, Orphan is the fucking shit, dude. Orphan is like, holy hell. It's shocking to me that that movie is not held up as like fucking crown jewel of horror. Like. I think Isabel Furman is such an amazing child actor. She's so good. Uh, there, there's a scene. Well, so everyone knows orphan is about a little girl who gets adopted and she's kind of fucking crazy. <laughs> and she's like, she's like a slasher villain, but a little girl. And there's a scene where she's threatening her brother, <laughs> her newly adopted brother. And she's holding a knife to his throat. And she's just so convincing as this little Russian criminal and i'm just like that's fucking that's like legitimately i she's intimidating as a little girl absolutely and then at the end of the scene she just goes you pissed your pants and i just (laughs) (laughs) that was only the second movie she had made at the time too i mean orphan she, she did some movie in 2007 and then 2009 did orphan and the fact that, you know, she gives that good of a performance with, you know, I, I don't know if she did uh, a lot of like stage acting or anything like that before that. But at the same time, like that was such a memorable role. And, you know, the twist, which we won't we don't have to spoil for people that haven't had the opportunity to watch Orphan yet, but they definitely should. Um, yeah, it's just a performance that holds up so well that isn't solely defined by the twist that's in that movie. Um, and I think that that's a performance that gets kind of, you know, swept under the rug sometimes. And, you know, it's great to see her come back for the sequel. And there was even another film that she did uh, last year called The Novice, which I haven't seen yet, but uh, I have it on good authority from a couple of my buddies that it's one of the best, if not the best performance she's ever given. Uh, I will definitely watch that. I, I know she was in Escape Room Tournament of Champions, which I started watching. And I stopped uh, because not because I, I got bored, but I there was something about me that was like, yeah, I'm not going to watch this. Now. I'm not wasting my night on this movie. <laughs> there was something that stopped me. I can't remember what it was, but I was just like, I my lot. My time is precious and I need to spend it better than this. My time. Uh, I don't but, view my time as being nearly as precious, but <laughs> I, <laughs> I have fun with those movies. I think that they're I totally like the described one. as saw light, but. You know what? I I would have made a my my pitch for a Resident Evil movie is basically Escape Room. Like yeah. it's it's do the mansion, only do the mansion. Don't do anything else. Don't do Resident Evil 2 while you're doing Resident Evil 1. Yeah. 
just do the mansion, make it a fucking weird saw escape room puzzle, and there are zombies, and and that's all you need to do. So I I, I like them too. They're they're good movies. Well, I think that that comes back to what we were saying earlier about you know horror that is accessible, that gateway horror, right? I think that you know there are going to be kids that or you know teenagers, I suppose it's a PG thirteen movie. Where it's the type of thing where, you know, maybe they can't, granted, they, everybody has the internet now. If Saw is on uh, Netflix, kids are going to find a way to watch it. But, you know, if kids aren't able to watch those things because their parents say this or that or whatever, it's like, oh, well, they might not be able to watch something like that. But here is something that is catered towards that audience. And I would even say, you know, the second film, too, goes a little harder than the first film. And so I'm just I have like younger cousins and whatnot. And just those are the types of films that I recommend to them. So that way I don't have to hear from, uh, you know, family members that I'm, I'm corrupting my younger cousins, but it's the type of thing where I can recommend that pretty, uh, pretty easily. And, you know, uh, put the horror bug in their ear. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, actually, uh, I, 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 I speaking about orphan, I wanted to point, I wanted to mention the sequel first kill, the second movie, First Kill, uh, it's I I I like that movie a lot, and I also I I think I appreciated it after I I finished it, but there was like I thought that movie was very boring for a long time. The first and half then something of that happens, movie, yeah. I and obviously you and I have seen it, so we we get the whole picture. Obviously, I think that it's important that that first half is boring, especially mm. for people who watch the first one. Um, because, like, how do you do? How do you do a second movie after you already know the twist from the first movie? You know right. what I mean? Yeah. So I I I, I liked it. A, I I liked it a lot once it kicked into first gear. You know. Yeah, I would uh, say for anybody that is kind of on the fence about watching it and obviously not going to spoil it, but I will say that it is shocking how well that movie is able to, you know, uh, let's say what I'll say one up the twist of the original film, but I'm not, you know, trying to make a one-to-one comparison, but just the fact that they were able to make a film that is as entertaining as first kill is while still having a twist in that film that is equally surprising. I'll say, um, in a way that I went into it expecting it to be atrocious, uh, just because it's kind of like, okay, we're bringing this back after all this time, uh, outside of the twist from the original film. I, you know, I've honestly, I've only seen it the one time and it was memorable for the twist, but I couldn't tell you much more about that movie. Now I have to, of course, go back to watch it after <laughs> seeing first kill, but just the fact that first kill is able to, you know, be as shocking in a completely different way, um, I think is you know, that's worth the price of 90 minutes or whatever it is, a hundred minutes. Um, just cause that in and of itself is an achievement that should be celebrated. Yeah. Super fucking awesome. And in a, like, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to be upfront here. I don't love the Friday, the 13th movies. And I, a big part of that is just like, like they're fucking boring. Like the vast majority of them are just boring. And I think, uh, I think four, four is the one with Corey Feldman, right? Well, four is great. 
uh i love i love four i think cory feldman is like the best child actor of all time and uh like should be a clear-cut case of there's some fucked up shit happening in hollywood based on how he is as an adult and the things he says about hollywood and the way he acts and it seems like he may have experienced some trauma uh but he's great in that five is dirty and grimy. I think four is where it starts getting better. Five is dirty and grimy and gross, has some dumb scenes as a scene where a guy keeps shitting because he ate enchiladas. Six is where it becomes zombie Jason. And then it starts getting better. Uh, but there, there, there isn't much to be surprised by about those movies after the first and second one, because the first one, you think it's Jason killing everyone. They straight up say, oh, I think it might be Jason. And it's like, oh, it's Jason's mom killing everyone. The second one, it's Jason. He's back, and for some reason, he's an adult now, even though he drowned as a child, but he's not a zombie yet. <laughs> it's super fucking stupid. Don't think about it. Just watch and see some boobies while they get stabbed. See some boobies get stabbed, and that's the Friday the 13th franchise. Nothing wrong with that. There's some enjoyment to be had largely boring for me but for orphan first kill where slasher i mean and let's compare it to halloween my favorite one of my favorite franchises a lot of those movies suck ass like a lot of them are really bad really bad and they only get worse as they go on but i i still enjoy them so i'm not saying you can't enjoy friday the 13th so for orphan this this new age slasher to somehow up the ante and become interesting in a completely different way, it's an achievement, and it's really impressive, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that Orphan is one of those films that is just going to appreciate more value with time. You know, the further that we get from not only the original, but now with First Kill, it is the type of thing that I think is going to stand as one of those original IPs that, you know, people claim horror is devoid of when, you know, people like us that watch horror films outside of whatever is, uh, you know, advertised on Thursday night football or whatever, know that the genre is thriving in a way now within the last, you know, 10 years, if you will, in a way that it hasn't ever. Um, and that doesn't see, you know, looking at the success of films such as, you know, Barbarian, which, you know, basically I think it, it made like 10 times its budget, um, film like smile, which, you know, by, all accounts, those trailers made it look far more generic than that movie ended up being. And yet that movie is made, has done astronomically well at the box office. Um, it's the type of thing where I think that horror is thriving in a way that is making the genre healthier than it's ever been. And there's plenty of fantastic original uh, IPs out there. Funny enough, you mentioned Friday the 13th, um, and I'm not going to nitpick about which films I think are actually really great in that series, but um, they just announced that they're going to be doing a prequel series. Oh, yeah. Um, and Brian Fuller, who, you know, horror fans know from his run on Hannibal, the TV series, which I think is one of the best horror series oh, that they've ever God. made. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about that? You know, A24 oh. is producing, Brian Fuller is involved. How do you feel about I mean, doing a prequel series? I think if, if you said, oh, hey, we're doing a Friday the 13th prequel series called Camp Crystal Lake. I'd say you're a fucking moron who should never be allowed to work in the industry again. Pick up your things and leave. But all you had to say is Brian Fuller. And I'm like, wait, what the fuck? Okay. 
I'm on board. Let's do it. Buckle up. We're in for a rough ride. Let's fucking go, fellas. Like, I think Hannibal is a huge achievement. It's an incredible achievement because you watch that and you go, oh, this is like Breaking Bad. This is like Game of Thrones. This is like all these fucked up and violent and gross and awful shows that you can't see on just basic cable. And then you find out, oh, it was on basic cable. The fact that and that's you're like, an NBC holy show. Holy shit. Absolutely yeah. deranged. As deranged as the contents of that show, the fact that they were able to put that on basic cable, like I still need to get the behind the scenes on how they made that happen because it's it's preposterous when you go back and watch that show and some of the stuff that even they were during, doing. Even when it was out, it wasn't a thing of like, they wouldn't allow it on TV anymore. No, no, no. They wouldn't allow it on TV then. It, it is it is truly an achievement of just, I don't even know how they did it, but it's it's an excellent show. And, and if you're listening to this, you need to watch Hannibal. It is fan-fucking-tastic. But how do you feel about them uh, doing a prequel for Friday the 13th? Because initially there was a little misreporting about it because people said, well, it's a prequel, so it's only going to have Pamela Voorhees in it. And because of the logistical nightmare of the legal rights, people claim that, oh, well, they can't use Jason. But I believe Brian Fuller has actually corrected that and said that they can use anything that's under the banner of Friday the 13th, the brand, for the series. Not a film, obviously, but a series. Um, so like, how do you feel about them doing a prequel? Uh, I'm, I am like, uh, like I said, like I, if, if, if it wasn't Brian Fuller, I would be super uninterested and I would probably never watch it and it would probably be fine. And people would be like, yeah, people would complain about it. Some people would be over the moon about it. And I'd be like, yeah, I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to spend eight hours watching a series about that. But Brian Fuller, I mean, he's he's an incredible showrunner and and I'll watch whatever he puts out, especially after Hannibal. Like he he really knows how to make a compelling series episode to episode. Uh to the point where I couldn't even tell you what my favorite Hannibal episode is because when I watch that, I binge it and it becomes one long movie. So, I'm really excited and I uh, I was being hard on Friday the 13th. I think the first few movies are really boring. Uh but uh there are there are good things in all of them, but then it picks up as it goes in my opinion. I like it when it becomes more zombie Jason and more mythologically supernatural. But uh I I'm super I'm super excited just because of Brian Fuller pretty much. Like you could tell me that this is a prequel to the Hobbit and I would still be super stoked. Uh, unlike the real prequel to the Hobbit that's on Amazon prime right now. And they spent too much money on, uh, Oh man. Uh, how about you, man? Like, are, are you, you seem to like the Friday the 13th series a, a bit more than me. Um, is this something that you're interested in? I, I'm guessing you're, you're, you feel pretty similarly about Brian Fuller's work. Yeah. I mean, I would watch literally anything that he makes or is producing or show running. Right. I think that with something like Friday the 13th, that is so malleable as a series. Right. And not to say that that make that's defining for Friday the 13th. Right. I think at a certain point when you have as many films as 
Friday the 13th does as many films as, you know, Freddy, Pinhead, all of those series. Um, it is the type of thing that the possibilities seem kind of endless. And I think he even said in an article or an interview that, you know, he, he wants the show to go to space at some point, which, you know, that kind of just puts you into sort of his view of where he wants to take this series, right? The idea that really anything, nothing is off the table for what he could do. So I think that it is the type of thing that even if we're going to leave Crystal Lake at some point, his just expanding either the lore of Crystal Lake or the characters, whether it be Pamela or Jason himself, um, will definitely have uh, some deranged results that only Brian Fuller could bring. And yeah, I, you know, I, I said it recently when I was talking with somebody about uh, adaptations and things like that. I'm not especially, you know, precious with backstories or with uh, pre-existing lore in these things, just because I'm more interested in seeing what a creative can do with a beloved IP and yet them bringing their own sort of twisted vision to life. That's always the priority for me with projects such as this. So no matter what he does, whether he wants to lean more into the grounded nature of the first film or, you know, go to space as it seems that he's interested in doing, which kind of leans into the more zombified supernatural Jason. Um, again, like you kind of have said that he is somebody that I put all my trust in if he's going to be helming this. If he wasn't behind it and if A24 wasn't producing, it would be the type of thing where I was like, okay, do we? is this going to end up being like that um, Amazon Prime adaptation of I Know What You Did Last Summer? Which, you know, I got two right. episodes into that and I was like, yeah, I'm done with this. Like, this doesn't yeah, necessarily feel it. super indicative of what makes the original, you know, such a cult classic. But uh, yeah, like we said, we don't know anything about obviously their plans for uh, the Friday the 13th series, but it is the type of thing that the potential is seemingly limitless. I'm not really, you know, if Jason is barely in it, it doesn't really bother me because I know that Brian Fuller will be able to deliver uh, in a way that I think few showrunners can. Yeah, I totally agree. I am really interested to see where they go with it. Who's the focal point? What exactly is going on? I mean, he's had such a like, such a varied career in terms of what he's done, like Star Trek, Pushing Daisies, Dead Like Me, Hannibal, American Gods. Like, it is really impressive. And it's also left me completely witless as to what to expect. So I'm I'm excited to see what he does. It should be cool. In all in 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 if not at least interesting. Uh so I'm I'm excited for it. I don't think he would do a Crystal Lake series unless he had a really good reason to. And uh I mean obviously because he's He's not short for work, and he probably doesn't have to throw very far to find a new job. So, super interested. It's going to be cool. I, I think I think it's going to be cool. It was the same week that uh, he announced that he's doing a movie with Mads Mikkelsen, too. They're collabing yeah. for a film called Dust Bunny, which is about yeah. an eight-year-old girl that asks her neighbor for help killing a monster under her bed that she thinks ate her family. Um, that's all that there is out for it. There's no trailer. Obviously it's in pre-production, I believe, but yeah, he's the type of guy that anything that it's spirited away, making, but yeah, but live action <laughs> and with Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, yeah. I, I think, I think you put Mads Mikkelsen in, uh, in, uh, the, the camp crystal lake 
<laughs> make him make him uh pamela make him pamela a counselor Morty's. yeah oh my god oh my god that'd be cool i'd love to have mick mads nicholson as my counselor uh, but you know what? I, I, speaking, I want to talk more because we've been talking about slashers for a while. Mm-hmm. I was watching slashers during this Halloween, and I came up with a great idea that I think society should adopt whole cloth. I think I I I personally I would sign up for it. Uh, I think if anyone listening to this, I mean, I hope this never happens to anyone that listens to this podcast or myself or anyone I love. But I was thinking, you know, you you sign up for, you know, donating your liver, donating your heart, donating whatever organs uh, when you die. I think as a society, as horror fans, we should be allowed, if diagnosed terminally ill, there's no way you're getting out of this. I think you should donate your body to a horror movie to be a victim of a slasher. <laughs> And I, it's because I've been watching a lot of like modern slashes. I'm like, eh, it looks kind of fake. It's like CGI blood. We don't really need it. I think we as a society should be able to donate our bodies to slasher movies. I know Stuart would sign up. I know Jake would sign up. Jay, would you sign up? I don't know. That sounds like an idea that came from three to four cold ones if I ever heard one. But uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know, man. That gives certain films a different, an entirely different uh, viewing experience. Of all of a sudden, the practical work uh, gets it's just real bodies. Yeah. <laughs> I don't uh, know, man. My uh, hopefully my loved ones that are still around after I pass. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, they don't watch whatever my body gets donated to. But. Uh, <laughs> I did not think of that. My mom would be horrified. (laughs) My mom hates horror movies. And to learn that her baby boy donated his body so that instead of dying naturally of his horrible disease, he went on to set and let a guy in a mask just stab him. Yeah. (laughs) Or somebody that has children. They've got some child that sees their father. That would be horrible. Yeah. I did not think this through at all. <laughs> See, this is why we need people like Jay in this world. And that's why I need people like Jay on this podcast right here, the nuclear fridge. Jay, I'm so thankful to have you in my life and to have you on this week's episode of the nuclear fridge. Oh, well, that's very sweet of you to say, Matt. And as always, man, I always love coming on and chatting with you and the rest of the nuclear fridge guys. It is always a pleasure and we're always happy to have you uh we will definitely be having you on in the future uh but until then is there anything you want to plug or anything you'd like to tell people before we close things out today yeah so for anybody that's enjoyed my ramblings here uh i do two horror podcasts i do one for bloodisgusting.com which is a horror video game podcast called safe room with my co-host neil bolt uh it releases every monday and you can follow that show on twitter at Safe Room Pod. It's on all major podcasting platforms. Uh, and then on my lonesome, I do a horror movie podcast releasing every Friday called Daily Horror Habit. And I've had guests such as uh, Matt Paget. And, you know, as of this recording, uh, there will be an episode live on Smile, that brand new film that uh, we mentioned earlier in the episode. And I had uh, two members of the Nuclear Fridge, Jake and Stewart, on to chat about Smile. And uh, yeah, it was a great chat. 
And that uh, podcast is released every Friday. And you can follow that show on Twitter at Daily Horror Pod. And if you want to follow uh, my nonsense, and I know Matt is a fan of my three to four cold one memes. If you want to follow my bullshit on Twitter, you can follow me at NotFunnyJ. But yeah, as always, man, it's a pleasure. And uh, I look forward to having you on Daily Horror Habit again in the future. I am so fucking excited to get onto Daily Horror Habit again in the near future. I do love your one to three. Sorry, three to four. (laughs) (laughs) They would be very different if it was one to three. It would be so bad if it was one to three. (laughs) Uh, Three to four cold ones. Uh, I love it. We can't wait to have you back on. Everyone who's listening, if you want to join us, if you want to join in on the conversation, we've got a Discord. You can find that link on our Twitter or in the podcast description. I would love to have you. We talk about video games, movies, all that stuff. We we post trailers to shit we're interested in. It's a fun way to connect with everyone. But uh oh right, 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 right. Sorry. For Stuart, I love you, Stuart. Our email is thenuclearfridge at gmail.com. <laughs> uh, you can send us all our emails, all the questions you want to ask us. Just send them right there. We will see you all next week. But until then, we hope you have a fantastic weekend with a cold one from the nuclear fridge.